this is the Social Distance Podcast and I've got a bit of a cold, as you can probably hear. Um, today I'm speaking with Lisa Phillips. Lisa lives in Phoenix in Arizona and Arizona is one of the parts of the United States that has currently uh, very much COVID-19 cases on the rise. Um, at least 33,000 people have been diagnosed with COVID-19 in the state and 1,156 people have died and this is very much an ongoing thing at the minute um, as of today which is the 14th of June um, on the 12th of June which is the latest figures that are available at the minute uh, Arizona recorded just over 1600 new cases uh, overnight so um, the number of cases reported daily is continually climbing from uh, I believe uh, what the 31st of May was about 800 cases so it's doubled in the course of a couple of weeks So just for context, I, I think uh, on Friday, um, the state of Arizona recorded over 1,600 new cases overnight, something like that. And it, so uh, as I was thinking about that, it, it's funny because um, where we are in Australia, it pretty much feels like it's all over. You know what I mean? Well, you know, to be fair, I think that's how most Arizonans feel about it too. They're just wrong, you know. So, so yeah. what's what's it? Um, maybe you could give me a bit of a, a background. So, what's your experience been like in Arizona from from the the start of this whole sort of COVID nineteen situation in the U.S. Right? Yeah, I think you know from being here. Uh, from the beginning has always felt, um, I, to be honest, a little bit scary for me. Um, I, you know, we're next to California and I, you know, paid a lot of attention to sort of the California response. I work, um, the, my office is in San Francisco and I felt like from the beginning, I think it seemed like California and San Francisco were sort of on it with regard to their response um, though they did have more cases than we did. Um, and in Arizona, it just it's felt like the response has been slow. Um, I got sick myself in the beginning of April, and um, I was never able to get a test at that point um, because the belief at that point was if you know if you don't have kind of these really severe symptoms, then you know you probably don't have covid and there weren't enough tests, so they were being really, um, they weren't giving out many tests. The guidance was basically, you know, you've got to be essentially on the verge of hospitalization or you don't get tested for COVID. And what that resulted in is a low number of cases, seemingly, in the state, um, despite the fact that, as far as I knew, people were getting sick. It just wasn't getting reported. Um, I never was able to get a test. Later on, they opened up the guidance as we got more tests. Um, but I felt like that experience of, hey, you know, you might be at, uh, you may be sick with COVID, take care of it at home, you're kind of on your own, has been the approach, has been the feeling here in Arizona. Um, very little sort of guidance from the governor. And, you know, now we're in a situation where there's more cases. I think today is 1,500 cases. 
um, every day, which is more than we had back in April. Um, but it's sort of this feeling of like you're on your own. Um, this state opened up, I think like three weeks ago. Um, meaning you can go to restaurants, you can go to bars, you can go to the doctor, you can get your hair cut, you can get a tattoo. Um, but there's very little guidance on what those restaurants have to do in order to be open. Right. And um, from what I've been told, because I know I try not to go out myself, there's very few people wearing masks. Um, and generally in Arizona, I think there's this like, oh, I haven't gotten sick yet, therefore it's not really um, it's not really a risk for me. It's not really a real thing. Yeah, I, it's. I mean, my my stepfather literally said that to me. Like, I just don't. I don't. I haven't gotten sick, so I don't believe that this is out there. Right. So how much of that response or lack of response at a state level is determined by having a Republican governor and then the the messages coming out of the White House, if you're able to kind of get a sense of that? I think they're hugely related. His um, The governor um, of, this, of Arizona is a Republican, and he's been largely along the same talking points as the president. Um, so it's not hugely surprising because it is a red state uh, that there's pressure for them to, and our own governor doesn't wear masks. He shakes hands when he meets people. Um, famously, uh, the, the president actually came out here a few weeks ago and visited a mask facility and didn't wear a mask himself. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> I'm not surprised that three weeks later our numbers are super high. It was such a great, that was such a great, um, <laughs> such a great touch. That really to visit a mask facility without a mask. Um, yeah, and this and this is sort of the first facility he visited after breaking his um, his own whatever few weeks he stayed at the White House, um, not traveling. So it yeah. was a big deal. Yeah. I think it was, you know, it was pretty symbolic of I think how a lot of people in this state feel, which is like. You know, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> so, is that is it, so? How much of it ties into that? So, like, um, can you give me a picture of you know Arizona for anybody who's not familiar with the culture in somewhere like Arizona? So, like you, you mentioned, you're um, you're next to California. You're also next to the Mexican border. Absolutely, yeah. So, then, so give me a sense of uh, what what's Arizona like culturally that would might maybe be playing into this a bit. There's, it's, uh, there's, you know, there's a dichotomy here because we are next to the border. A large percentage of the state is Hispanic, you know, or Mexican. Um, and, uh, so you have that, um, existing here in a part of the culture, but there's this sort of, I would say it's like the white Arizonans, the older white haired, um, Arizonans who, um, kind of have this really strong sense of don't tell me what to do. I've come here to enjoy the sun and, and not pay taxes. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, kind of the, the sort of old Wild West pictures of that, you know, uh, depict the Southwest are not, you know, too far off of like a lot of attitudes I encounter here. There's just a lot of, you know, if I <laughs> not science based, um, decision making that's really strongly about let me do my thing. Um, so, you know, I think that's 
generally an American sort of ideal, but I um, have lived in a few places and feel like it's the strongest. I see it the strongest here in Arizona where you just, um, you know, you don't tell someone what to do (laughs) and you don't get in the way of their, their ability to make money. Um, and I think that's another part of it too. Uh, so we have a lot of retirees. We have a lot of, um, people who've made money here in, you know, construction or in, you know, one of our other, you know, cattle, um, and want to protect that. Um, and, and it's to be honest, like in my opinion, I've met, you know, quite a few, uh, people who seem frankly racist, um, in their approach as well. Like it seems sort of similar to me, like, well, how does that, how does that play out? Go on. So, I mean, we have this tension, right. Between people who are between Mexicans here and sort of like this, um, wealthy white folks who sometimes have been here for multi-generations and, you know, obviously there's a natural desire to use like labor, I mean, there's a natural need, sorry, I should say. There's a lot of work here. Um, and so there's a need for a lot of uh, labor from folks who are immigrants or more recently moved to the United States. But at the same time, I think any sort of real threat to um, what's perceived as someone's like ability to make money is met with, um, you know, I think pretty harsh resistance. Right. Um, and there's a lot of, you know... I don't trust you because you're not white here, um, even though so many folks aren't. Right, right. So um, how long have you been in lockdown, essentially? You personally, <laughs> given that given that you could... So presumably, as we speak, you could, after this call, hang up and head out and go to, go to, the, go to yeah. a restaurant or go, go get a drink, an early... <laughs> An early evening cocktail somewhere? I can't wait until I can do that. Um, But you're right. Technically, I can do that. I'm choosing not to do that because I don't trust that the folks around me are being safe. Um, So I've been in lockdown since the end of March. I'm going to say the place I work shut down their offices pretty early Uh mid-March because we do a lot of travel. And I think they saw the risk pretty early on to our workforce of folks, folks started getting sick. So I think we were early in our industry to shut down our offices and go hundred percent remote. Um, I already work remotely, so it wasn't that big of a change for me to go on lockdown, but in terms of, you know, no longer going to the bar, to the restaurant, um, I get all my food delivered. Um, you know, generally try not to go out into the public or have people in the public come inside my house. Um, has been since March. Right. Now, um, over this period, haven't you just bought a new house? Haven't you just moved into a new house? (laughs) Yeah. So, like, uh, I'm going to say I made an offer on a house three days before my offices shut down. Right. So, basically, right right when we sort of, it was mid-March, we kind of realized there was, or early March, I should say, we realized that um, stuff was really going down. Um, I made an offer and then was basically, you know, in that 30 day period of closing, wondering if we were about to go into a huge recession, which we are, 
Um, and if buying house was the best time to do, you know, if this was the best time, I mean, I think the other challenge, you know, when I finally closed, um, is getting anything moved or installed. Right, yeah. um, so I've been mostly sitting in a empty house. I have cardboard on my windows cause I don't want to have someone in here doing window treatments. Window and, treatments being, um, yeah. And also for privacy. And so, uh, they didn't come with the house and, you know, things were just closed for a long time. So I couldn't, you know, get stuff done that you might normally get yeah, when you move. Yeah. Um, I was sleeping on the floor, like a mattress on the floor for a while, <laughs> you know, just like things I take for granted about being able to hire somebody to help me like put together furniture or, you know, just the typical things that I think I, I've taken for granted as a person with privilege. How, how are you feeling? Now I feel great. Uh, I was pretty ill for a few weeks, um, but I'm feeling much better now. Uh-huh. Uh, I was during that period of time, I was lucky enough to still be at my sister's house where uh, they have a bedroom with a bathroom in the back of the house. And I just stayed in that room for two weeks. I never left that room. And that was a very new experience for me. And the first, you know, 10 days or so I was very sick. I didn't want to leave anyway. But um, having so limited contact, not being able to sort of walk around, make my own food, things like that, mm. um, it was a very different experience for sure. It felt very like uh, something out of like a Jane Austen novel or something. Like, uh, um, like you'd been um, confined to the attic sort of thing? Yes, GNR. exactly. <laughs> yeah, like I might have consumption or something. And... Uh, or, you know, like I've gone to visit someone across the way and, you know, I broke my leg or something and then I just have to live there for the season. Right. That's what it felt like. It's, it's, uh, it's, miser- <laughs> it's misery, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, you're kind of. It's, it's not the worst thing, though. And, you know, that's the thing. No, 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 no I know. Back. I know. Sorry. Yeah. I, meant, I meant misery. The, I was just thinking of misery, the movie, you know. Oh, like, <laughs> the book and the I, movie. Yeah. That is what it felt like. I was really at the whim of my sister and her brother-in-law. They could have done anything. And those guys are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and they could have put anything in the food they were giving me. <laughs> I was totally dependent, totally dependent. Yeah. Every meal. So where's where, like, where's your head going when you're in that in that space, right? Because that's... well, you try not to think about dying. Uh-huh. I think, I think that's. Probably the most surprising thing is how often the you're just sitting there and you don't have anything else to do. So you're like, well, but what if these are my last days? You know, like what if things get worse? And I think that's the part. The anxiety um, with COVID is like everyone's texting me and saying, well, be careful because on day 10, you might just fall over dead. <laughs> you know, like people just give the worst advice and. I tried my best not to read much about it, except, you know, to keep myself aware of the symptoms to watch out for. But like, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, you don't know, you're going to end up in the hospital. Are, are you pretty confident that it, that it was COVID then? Uh, I could say I feel about 70% right, that it yeah, was COVID. Yeah. Um, I think if I was sick now with those symptoms, they would have tested me and 
and treated me as though I had it. How um, how have the rest of your family been dealing with it? Like, what have the... Um... With COVID? Yeah, yeah. If they've been dealing we with have... it at all. Yeah, weirdly, uh, nobody else has gotten sick, thankfully. Um, I have a large family. I have uh, five siblings in this area that I live in, in Phoenix, Arizona. And I've never seen them virtually as much as I have in the last <laughs> three months. Something weird has happened to us where our past grievances, I guess you could say, have, have sort of been, if not let go, then paused. So, you know, we talk to each other pretty often and um, I've kind of appreciated rediscovering, you know, what I loved about my family, which is a large reason why I moved back here. I just didn't really think about the fact that it would be so much family. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, they're, they're all, for the most part, doing well. I do have one brother who, um, he was a gig worker at the beginning of this. And uh, so he struggled with finding um, that kind of work. It kind of went out the window, really, doing um, Uber driving, Lyft driving. He was doing food delivery. That, that did okay, but the problem is he was homeless. And he was finding it really difficult to make good decisions about where he could sleep at night. Um, right. So I, I think that, you know, that's been hard. Uh, he, he now has a place that's more stable, but he was living out of motels for a while because they were so cheap, um, that he could make enough money in one day and then find a place to sleep that night because nobody else was sleeping in the motel. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, I think the rest of my family has done quite well. Nobody's lost their job and, but they're taking it serious. They've been taking it seriously. They've not they have, I would say, as I mentioned, my stepfather who lives with my mother, my mother's immunocompromised. She's 65. She's got diabetes, heart disease. She's morbidly obese. She's got all of the things, all the check marks that say, if you have these factors and you get sick, you may end up having a worse outcome. Uh, so we've tried to keep them at home, but you know, she just told me last week, they're hosting. They're hosting karaoke. <laughs> can Can you just say that again? That they're hosting karaoke and, and go oh. from there. Sorry, <laughs> I'm getting a cold, so I was actually. Yeah, I, I hear that. I was snottering down the. I was snot, but I was trying not to sound so gross. So sorry. I hear that, and I just wonder how can you get a cold? How can I get? How can you get it? You know what I mean? Like you're, we're doing so good with like not transmitting anything. <laughs> I don't, so how are you I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But you have kids. I have, have kids. kids. I have kids yeah. and they are they are traveling incubators for <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, and your kids are back to school. Our kids are still not I don't have kids, but my sister's kids are not yeah. um, back in school yet. So uh, is that a is that a state is that a state state that's a state mandated thing or is it city mandated like whether the kids go back? Because I would have thought that if if there's this kind of desperation for having the businesses back open and don't stop us making money. Don't stop the kind of capitalist machine from cranking. Uh, getting the kids back to school would be part of that, right? It's um, it's actually, yeah, so it's summer right now. And not only is it summer, it's like 110 degrees outside summer, Fahrenheit. 
Uh, so this is typically when kids aren't in school. Of course. Sorry. Yes. Um, <laughs> my my so. world view is completely reversed. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Finally, um, living in Australia is starting to sink in with me. I'm kind of like. <laughs> Right, because you, you guys are going into winter, right? So you're in school. Yes, we, yeah. yeah. Uh, we yeah. just sort of graduated. Um, right, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, you know, that was rough because everyone was still, you know, doing their schoolwork at home and everything. Uh, it is intended that the schools will be open in the fall. Um, one of the things, though, that I really am curious about is if our numbers are this high. Um, if they continue to be this high, um, whether or not they will open schools. Um, and then preschools, it's a matter, again, it's a matter of personal preference. So there's no mandate from the state right now that a preschool can't be open. So preschools are allowed to be open. Daycares are allowed to be open. Uh, but my sister's, you know, school, uh, a kid already got sick. Or I'm sorry, not a kid, a uh, a parent was already reported as sick with COVID. And once they have a parent that's sick with COVID, they sort of have to shut down the whole school. Right. And, um, and your sister has two young, two young kids. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She hadn't chosen to, to put them back in because, you know, like me, she's paying attention to these numbers and it's just, you know, I think it's an, it's an unreal feeling of, seeing people make decisions and going, but has anyone looked at the data? <laughs> has anyone looked at the numbers yet? Um, and, you know, what we also pay attention to is the number of deaths and the, uh, which are rising and also um, the percentage of utilization of ICU beds. And currently Phoenix is just reported as being at capacity for ICU beds. So, and you've had uh, one, I think uh, as of today or, couple of days ago 1156 people have died in the state yeah 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 39 people today were reported as dying right now have you yeah. heard any good conspiracy theories about oh yeah so uh you know i i, I was talking about my stepfather earlier <laughs> he's my main source right. for conspiracy okay. theories everybody should have one source who they trust <laughs> to be completely untrustworthy you know He's, um, he, he's the one who, he just started hosting a, a karaoke night again, uh, which I think is amazing because I, you know, I'm like, are people singing with masks? I feel like singing is one of the worst things you can do around a person if you're trying not to get droplets. Especially you know, in a small it. space. And you've been to a lot of karaoke. I mean, they can be pretty, They're always small, yeah. there's a lot of spray going on once the, once the blood's up, you know? <laughs> Exactly. And I guess he's he's switching out. He does have covers for the mics, so he feels pretty good about it. But uh, yeah, no, he's the one who's told me, you know, he, uh, you know, things such as, you know, I heard that if, you know, you get a, your arm is red and you, that means that you don't have COVID, even if you have a fever, if you have like a, a red uh, hue to your body. Wow. Um, a red arm, man. Eh? I know, right? Very strange. Uh, he's also invested in, he believes in the like IV, or sorry, the um, infrared light theory that right. Trump uh, talked about. Yeah. He's, big, he's a big believer in that. So he went out and bought some of those devices, right. um, home grade, so they'll do nothing anyway. Um, right. Even if, even if it worked. 
which it doesn't. Uh, so, you know, he, he's, he's the one who's, you know, he's told me I, I haven't gotten sick yet. So, um, I don't really think that it's going to happen. And, you know, my, my response to that is you really only need to know one person who has gotten sick, I think, to really feel it. Um, of course my response is also, Hey, I was sick. (laughs) Um, yeah. And and my mom and my mom really can't get sick. Yeah. Oh, you know, I've, I've sent her some pretty brutal messages um, because I found out she went to the casino. Right. Uh, the casino's opened up here. <laughs> and despite the fact that for months she's been staying home and we've been telling her, you know, all of the numbers, um, as soon as it, it, the casino's opened up, she went over there. <laughs> so, you know, since then, that was last week, so I've just been texting her the numbers and telling her to stay home. And um, it's hard, you know, you don't want to say it to your parent, like, you, you will, you are the person that we're protecting. You're the reason we're staying home, because if you get sick, you may die. Um, because that's not something anyone really wants to face, but that's true, you know, and so um, she wants to go to karaoke, and I'm like, no, don't go to karaoke, <laughs> where everyone's going to be spitting through their songs. <laughs> or at least, at least during the power ballads, move back from the stage. <laughs> exactly. You know, he, my stepfather told me he's had the busiest night he's ever had uh, when he started up again. So, you know, there's a lot of really, you know, there's a lot of pressure to open up around here. Um, I, I would like to think that the more people who are touched by folks who pass from COVID in my case, um, I've had a few people I know whose parents have already have died. And, um, I think the more people are affected that way, I hope, they'll make better decisions but right now more than ever i'm staying away from anybody right. <laughs> um it's it's not it's not a if i did have covid it's not something i would wish on anyone um at all uh even if you get the mild version have you have you then um like we're laughing about it but um if you think about when you first got sick and where you are now um are you still thinking about death a lot? <laughs> I, I I think about it more than I did before staying home so much. I tell you what, I think about death all the time, and I think it's just because I'm 52, I've turned 52, yeah. and I've never been less healthy. If in the last kind of eight months, something's happened, I've yeah. just been I've been eating like a horse. But did I, you give up? But a horse that doesn't do any exercise. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Like, I, I haven't gone outside, you know. I haven't. Um, my sister got a, a little play pool, and I went over there because we are we are um, sharing our houses. And uh, I just sat out there and got sun the other day. Yeah. Totally just spiked my mood. I was in the best mood for days. Um, so it turns out just sitting inside with that sun is, like, not a great idea yeah. for your mental health. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think living alone during this is harder, uh, because there's just, yeah, like there's just a lot more time to think about things like death or like, what if you choke on a 
chicken bone and no one's here. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> How long would it be before someone realized? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess I guess uh, at that point it, it's it, it's immaterial anyway because if you've already choked on the chicken bone, you know. Yeah, you don't really care. Yeah, you're gone. Yeah. yeah, that's true. But I think about those last moments; they'd probably be pretty terrifying if you choked on a chicken bone. Because I think you'd be thinking, "I wish I had made a different de- decision. Like, I wish I had." I wish I'd got a, got a burger instead. Yeah, exactly. Like maybe don't eat chicken bones. <laughs> didn't didn't, didn't Mama Cass from the Mamas and yes. the Papas die from a, a bone or a chip or something? Mm-hmm, exactly. And I know someone else whose aunt died from a, a bone. Uh, right. She lived alone. So, you know, we've really gotten off topic here. But I think the thing about uh, isolation and... COVID is it's just really hard not to think about it. And that's, I think that's one reason the news cycle has changed so much to uh, Black Lives Matter and the protests. Um, besides the fact that it's totally momentous and worth re- reporting on, I think people were just tired of hearing about death, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's also, I, I, I can imagine that... Um... Like the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests have a certain kind of narrative sense to them that is uh, not easier to report on, but it, it it's I, I can imagine that it's very difficult to continually report on this completely chaotic, basically nonsensical day by day catastrophe. Absolutely. That, that's, you know, coming, I, I, that's coming from the White House. You know what I mean? Like, it, how do you report on nonsense day after day, right? It just becomes like this repetitive bullshit over and over again. Yeah. I've wondered about that because I've, I could be wrong about this, but I felt like the reporting on the protests and sort of the history of Black Lives Matter and the history of just systemic racism and police brutality in general has felt more to me like real reporting in a way I haven't heard in a while. Like where people like investigative reporting where I'm here and people dig into subjects and dig into the reasons for, for um, various protests in a way that feels deeper than what I've heard in so long. (laughs) Because how do you dig into the administrative the administration has no plan and you're stuck at home and there's a global pandemic and you can't look to your government for help. Um, I feel like obviously you could dig into it, but you know, every, like you said, like you can't report on that every day. It's like the same answer every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like. Just some made up you know. shit. Yeah. <laughs> there isn't, there isn't a plan, you know, there isn't. And I think that's the scariest thing. And that's, that is why I choose to stay home, you know, because, uh, the plan right now, at least here in Arizona is personal responsibility. And that's not a great plan when you're talking about something as infectious as this is, you know? No. And and I think, um, going by even what we've seen in Australia where, uh, We've been very lucky to have maybe 105 deaths in total. 
um, wow. that you cannot rely on personal responsibility. There has to be some level of um, discouragement and, and if necessary, some kind of measured enforcement because people will always think, ah, oh, yeah, I'll just snip out to, I need to get something for the lawnmower or um, yeah. I'll just snip out to, we'll nip down to the holiday house for the weekend, you know, and we'll, we, oh, you yeah. know, and we'll just nip up to the shops to get something for the holiday house. But 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 apart from that, and and maybe get a six pack and a couple of bottles of wine. But apart from that, um, oh, and then the fish and chips as well. But apart from that, we'll stay in the house, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know the the you know, understandably, and I, you know I, I do think it's a part of human health to socialize and spend time with your family. But that has just totally skyrocketed here. If I can measure based on even my friends, you know, they're already the friends that live here who are, you know, rational people who have access to the same data I have. Um, and they're having barbecues, you know, and everyone's like, it'll be fine. We'll stay six feet apart. But you know, that's not really what happens. No. Uh, and you don't, uh, wearing masks right now, which so I could sort of understand in 110 degree weather is pretty brutal. Um, so the option of like, sitting outside with masks on is, uh, is not great. Uh, so then people are sitting inside and <laughs> probably not with masks on. So, uh, yeah, I expect to see the numbers get worse because I don't see anything that we're doing to make them not get worse. You know, the, the infection rate right now here, I believe is more than one person, uh, for every one person who's infected, they infect more than one other person. So if that's true and we don't have anything in place, like I don't understand how the numbers are going to go down. Yeah. So you're facing an unknown number of weeks in the same situation. I mean, I guess it's good that you have your sister in the same city nearby and her family. And... Absolutely, yeah. Though... Uh, her husband has to go back to work, so he's he's around people again um, at, at the college university, which is an absolute hot spot. <laughs> you can't you can't trust college kids to make good decisions, you know. So can't even trust uh, them to brush their teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know he's getting exposed. So you know it's possible I might have to have a period where we're not spending time together either. But like I said, you know sometimes you have to measure that sort of risk versus reward on like, you know, literally not seeing any person at all for, for months doesn't sound great to me. Um, but at this point, like my offices are closed through the rest of the year. Um, I don't expect to travel, which I normally do, uh, often. Um, but I don't want to get on a plane. Um, and which you know, which sucks because I usually come see you at Thanksgiving. Yes, I know. Um, <laughs> I, I was just thinking, yeah, yeah. Apart from Thanksgiving, obviously. <laughs> you know, until you know, the way I think about it is until there's a vaccine, and I think even more importantly, in a way, there's a cure, a treatment. You know, we still don't have like a thing that we give people when they are sick that helps get them better when they have COVID. Yeah. Um, so I think seeing more options there and, uh, you know, who knows, maybe I'll leave Arizona. Maybe that will be my one, my one travel. 
just to get out of this like really crazy hot spot. Um, well, so then my, you'd have to you'd have to come here and stay in Melbourne for two weeks before you actually get to our house. So. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. There's my plan. Yeah. I'll move to Melbourne. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you, like, um, so you work for a, a fairly large tech company, right? Is that mm-hmm. a fair description? Yeah. Right. So, so how has the the mechanics of your work actually uh, been affected by it? Um, do, do uh, for me personally, uh, so I, so I, as far as the company is concerned, like, what do you do they, actually? The company, I, sh- I should say, the company you manage. Um, what do you manage? these days i work on privacy uh data governance for an infrastructure company so uh and the infrastructure company is like an internet infrastructure company that makes the internet faster right and we sort of have caches of the internet all over the world um caches of data right and so i work to kind of uh help protect that data okay and um so I don't really have to do a lot in terms of <laughs> I don't have to travel. Um, I don't have to, you know, I don't need to go to sales calls. Uh, I don't need to, I don't have a team of people, so I don't need to be meeting with them in person. Um, and I've just personally been a big fan, a proponent for remote work for like 20 years now. So I feel like the rest of the internet's kind of catching up, um, to what I've always considered to be a better way to work anyway. Yeah. So the biggest impact really for me is, you know, I did do work travel, you know, like once a month, I would try to visit an office or maybe we would try to get together as a team or, you know, some type of meeting where we are meeting in person and all of those have stopped. And I, I assume we'll get, we'll get them going in 2021 again, but not for the rest of this year. So, uh- there's always a sense that, I mean, I've experienced this in um, interviewing people face to face, which was something that I'm, I'm very much a, a fan of. And I, I've always felt that there's this sort of, in, in, I was going to say it's intangible, but there, there's definitely an, an intimacy that you get when you're actually interviewing somebody face to face and you're sitting close together in the same space with a microphone, you know? Yeah. And you can have a much more personal and open conversation. Um, do, do you do, um, do you think that from the experience that you've had that you actually are missing out on anything by not actually meeting your team every couple of months or spending time in the same physical space and going and getting coffee? I mean, I know the idea is that that those are important um, that, that those are important moments and that, that the social cohesion that comes from that is really significant in a team and so on. But is that actually just being shown up as being bullshit? I mean, I think I'm going to be on, you know, on the spectrum, I'm going to be on the opposite side of you in that, you know, I appreciate not having that form of intimacy with my coworkers. <laughs> <laughs> not that, you know, not that they're not great people. Like, <laughs> No, you know, I, I love them and they're great. And if anything, I actually think what's happening now is I'm they're sharing more of themselves with, with me. I've always been, or I've tried to be, um, and more recently, kind of an open book for people. But, you know, I'm seeing their kids. I'm seeing, you know, I'm hearing about, you know, various things that they need to take care of. And um, I'm hearing more about how they're processing working from home and what their challenges are. 
And so like in a way we're creating, I think, more intimacy uh, and sort of exposing more vulnerability through this process, which is, I think that's ultimately what a lot of that meeting face-to-face stuff is about. Um, So for me, this is great. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because I don't, you know, I'm not one that wants to go get a with someone I don't know very well. Um, But uh, I think for folks that are more like you, they, I think they would say it's, it's taking a toll on them not to have that sort of physical intimate, you know, that sort of eye contact and stuff like that, that you may want to have with your coworker. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There, there are those, um, those, uh, there's probably a term for it. You probably know it. Like the, 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 the unplanned pauses that come during this kind of communication and then where everybody jumps in together and then everybody stops again and everybody jumps in again. <laughs> it's like, it's like that thing when you kind of, you're crossing this, uh, a crossing with somebody, they're coming in the opposite direction and you go to go right and they go to go left. And then you, you kind of do this little shimmy. Oh, uh, totally. And again, like just my comfort level is so high with, um, video meetings and remote meetings in general. You have been doing that for, when I think about that, you've been doing that for years. Like, didn't you used to have a fake fake head that would sit at your desk when you worked worked at Twitter? (laughs) Most of my career I've been doing, I mean, honestly, since like 2002 or something like that, I've been doing it. So I, I, I don't, um, I think I'm pretty good at, seeing the signs of upcoming dogpiling like you're talking about um dogpiling right yeah that's dogpiling and the other side which is like bringing people out who don't take up space um who should be taking more space right. because they're not comfortable doing that um so you know it's, it's, it's a lot of the stuff you have to do in person um but you have to be comfortable with the tool the tools um and the medium to feel comfortable jumping in, I guess I should say, <laughs> and taking over. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I I think a lot of what people say is bullshit around remote work. Um, I've felt that for years. So it's been really interesting to watch them, the, the folks that have been talking about all the reasons remote work doesn't work. Yeah be just completely proven wrong right now um <laughs> well i i've had, I've had it's funny because uh when i think about um when i was working at the bbc and this is uh what 12 years ago 13 14 years ago um yeah. there there was at that point uh this uh a lot of chat about you know people will be starting to work from home more often and so on and, and I mm-hmm. was kind of like, I, I think that's a terrible idea, and and I think it's I think it's just a way of an organisation uh, trying to do things on the cheap and you know mm-hmm. deny people the opportunities to to be in the same space and that creative hub and all that kind of bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but having having not worked in a actual physical radio station for. Um, about six or seven years now, 
I've got no real desire ever to go back to one or, or to, into an office. I mean, much as I miss the, the actual fact of having that sort of established income and the infrastructure that comes with it and the, you know, and oh, nice studios cute. and stuff. But but actually, it's terrible and you're sitting at an uncomfortable desk and you're, you know what I mean? Like, and you have to think about how to feed yourself. And there's so many things. And there's old, off. and there's there's old Johnny who's been working there for 25 years, <laughs> kind of uh, looking at dodgy pictures on the terminal next to you, and you know. So you know, uh, Jack Dorsey has come out in favor of remote work, and basically he said, um, not only are their offices closed for the rest of the year, but he's told all his employees. Uh, I'm sure there's some exceptions, but like if you never want to go back into an office again, if you just want to work from home, you can. Right. Uh, and that's so crazy to me just because I've fought so hard when I was there for them to be open to folks working from home. And, you know, the reason was not just because I prefer it, but also, you know, I was able to hire different sorts of people. I was able to hire folks that had disabilities who couldn't come into a physical office. Um, I was able to hire in different time zones. And uh, it was really just like me sort of persevering and just, you know, when, 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 whenever someone would say, well, remote doesn't work because, you know, you're missing body language or whatever, I would say, you know, BS, I can tell your body language from watching you when we're talking on video conference. Um, and... Uh, so it's so it's bittersweet, I guess, that they've changed their policy because they were so against it, and they threw every reason to be against it at me when I was working there. Yeah. Um, to the point where I was denied a promotion if I didn't move into an office, and um, that's when I decided to leave the company. So you know, it's uh, it's bittersweet that the. I felt ultimately I sort of lost my own battle with that with them. And then uh, uh, that was after even spending time to build their Seattle office and, you know, really committing to like, okay, if you're not going to allow me to work from home, then I'll, I'll make sure there's another office available in Seattle. Yeah. And even then they were like, well, but now you have to move to San Francisco in order to do this other work. Um, because, you know, you can't really have senior leadership be in different locations. They've all got to be in San Francisco. And I think, you know, that's, that's what I'm curious about with Twitter is they've made this, this um, proclamation about everybody can work from home, but you know, unless like the executive team is working from home, I just don't really buy that they're committed to it. Well, um, Lisa, it's, um, it's such a treat to actually be talking to you um, in, yeah. in real life. Like, <laughs> It is a treat to talk to you too, Dom. Seriously, thanks for thanks for taking the time to to do this. You'd be heading out now for happy hour, right? Yeah, I'm excited. Sorry. I get to spend time with your wife. It's going to be great. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> no, I meant actually, you're literally going to head out now and uh, go to the pub down the road. <laughs> and, yeah, I can call her from the pub down the road. Yeah. Yeah. No way. My house turns into a pub at 4 p.m. Right. Well, um, <laughs> thank you for taking the time to chat to me. It's been brilliant. And um, uh, watch Thanks, yourself. Sir. All right. <laughs> we'll do. You too.